millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. I'm hoping we find you all in good form and that you had a nice, relaxing, enjoyable, or maybe you had a very busy weekend. John Paul's taking your calls today at 1850-333-103 and texts and WhatsApps available to you at 0862-103-103. And can I start this morning with a photograph of a lady who is in a lot of the papers this morning. Indeed, she makes the front page of the Irish Times. And it's one of those happy stories that when I read it this morning, I put a smile on my face and said I'm going to give that lady a mention. She's Bridget Tierney she's from Loch Duff in County Cavan. Happy smiling photographs of Bridget and the reason that she's getting so much publicity in all of the national papers is at the weekend she celebrated wait for this, her 106th birthday. She was surrounded by her nine children and wait for this all of her nine children are themselves pensioners and there's a gorgeous photograph I'm telling you for 106 the woman looks really well she revealed that her simple secret to longevity is staying calm never getting too ruffled about anything and she said always eating well. Now she's got 30 grandchildren she's got 43 great grandchildren and she's got three great great grandchildren and remarkably all of them managed to visit her across the weekend. Now some of them had to go outside the window and just wave in at granny, great granny or great great granny uh, because they were insisting that only people who came in to be with her and spend time with her, they wanted to make sure that they were all uh, vaccinated. Bridget has lived through two world wars. She's lived through the 1916 rising. She's lived through two pandemics. Now she never smoked and she never drank. She's never been on an aeroplane <laughs> and uh, she only ever ate home cooked fresh food and by God is she showing the benefits of it today and what I loved about Bridget was she lists good manners and respect for others as high on her list of priorities. She said good manners are just as important today 
as they were a hundred years ago. And Bridget has received a commemorative coin in a presentation box from President Michael D. Higgins every year since her 101st birthday because we know when people reach a hundred I don't know if it's still a telegram. Our telegram's gone. Maybe it's a card in the post now from the President along with, it used to be £100 back in the day. It's gone to, it's over €2,000 now. You get that to recognise somebody reaching 100. But I didn't realise that every year thereafter, the President of Ireland continues to recognise it with this commemorative uh, coin in a presentation box. And by golly gosh, she's got a collection of them now. She's got uh, six. Here's to one birthday 107 next year. As I say, if you're opening the the papers today, you'll see, or as I say, front page of the Irish Times, Bridget Tiernan in County Cavan. Happy birthday to her. And there's another lovely picture that's making actually the front page of the Echo this morning. And it's an open air beach service that took place in Court McSherry yesterday morning. And I saw a couple of people pop it up on social media yesterday as well, because actually we're going to be talking about Court McSherry and the water, uh, the wastewater treatment plant that went in a couple of years ago cost of 10 million euro and we're hearing some complaints about it so we will be talking about Court Mac later on in the programme today but this unusual service was hosted by the St John the Evangelist Church which is part of the Kilgariff Union of Parishes, the Church of Ireland Parishes in the Clonakilty, Tim League and Court McSherry uh, area the idea was piloted by the church last summer on Court McSherry Beach Bay and obviously last summer we were going through what we're going through at the moment the pandemic and people weren't allowed in to churches so they decided let's have an open air service and this service was open to all those attending there were, were all asked to adhere to social distancing you can see on the photograph that they did people were told look bring your fold up chairs with you you can bring your rugs with you to sit on and it was even suggested you could bring a picnic that you could enjoy after the service and the theme the government have given this summer is outdoors so out we'll go said Reverend Kingsley Sutton and uh, he's uh, he, he delivered the service yesterday and the next beach church service will be in Court McSherry Beach on Sunday the 25th of July at 11am as I say all are welcome to uh, go along it's it's lovely and please God the sun will be shining on the 25th of July for that I don't know if that's happening in many other parts of the country as well that to limit the, because we're down we're still at where we're, what are we at 50 inside in a uh, church and no I was passing a church yesterday morning it was it was a, a 10 o'clock mass was going on and there seemed to be an awful lot of cars in the car park and I'm wondering are they counting people in or are they just abiding by having everybody spaced out because many of our churches can hold so many more than uh, 50 people and of course today is the day there is a lifting and easing of some uh, restrictions today it was to be the day when we would have been very ex- excited about the opening of indoor hospitality but we know now that that hasn't uh, gone ahead but there are other things where restrictions are being lifted. There's an increase, for example, in the numbers allowed at outdoor events uh, from uh, today. Outdoor events in most cases can now accommodate 200 people. Organised events at venues with a capacity of over 5,000, they will be allowed to have 500 in from uh, today. And we know, of course, pilot events have been taken, taking place to allow thousands in attendance. There was 3,000 fan, 3, fans, actually, at the Tipperary Clare Munster semi-final match over the weekend. And, of course, there was also lots of pictures in the paper of that, of the pilot festival at the Royal Hospital in Kilmaiden. But they did antigen testing at, at that. So that looked like that that was a huge 
huge success. More than 4,000 went to the venue there. From today, 50 people allowed to attend a wedding. It had been 25 up to yesterday. Uh, and even though 50 can attend a wedding reception, we know community confirmations have still uh, been suspended. So that's just some of the things that have happened uh, are some of the changes that are happening as and from today. Cork County Council have asked us to mention that they're carrying out road overlay works at uh, Sally's Cross to Castle Magna Road in Canturk and it has started today. Therefore, the road is going to be closed from 8.30am to 5pm every day, Monday to Friday and it'll be across this week and it'll be across this week. It's up to Friday week, the 16th of July and you're pleased asked to divert via Canturk and Castle Magna village. So that's road overlay works going on and I imagine people in the area will be glad to hear that the road works are going on so you just have two weeks to put up with having to divert either via via Canturk and Castle Magna village. Thank you for to Cork County Council for that. Uh, texts and calls coming in about vaccination. Mary's in Ballyhay, not a happy woman this morning. Mary's in the 60 to 69 age cohort. She received her first jab of AstraZeneca in Mallow on the 2nd of May. However, hasn't heard a word about her second appointment. So she decided she'd ring the HSE because I was just looking at a calendar. If Mary got hers on the 2nd of May, I have a tiny little calendar here up on the screen that looks like it was the Sunday. Was it the 2nd of May? So that's nine weeks ago yesterday that Mary received her first jab. She rang the HSE this morning and they said, oh, sorry about that, Mary. You'll be waiting 12 weeks. She gave them all the details, but she came back, came back with the same answer. Now, the only thing is if you're nine weeks, if my calculations are right, you're nine weeks to yesterday, Paul Reid and the HSC are sticking by that everyone in the 60-69 age group will be done by the 19th of July. So you're definitely going to get a call in the next uh, two weeks because somebody else is asking, uh, Patricia, could you please uh, find out, do we know what age group of the 60s and the 30s that the vaccination centre in Mallow is covering this week? And I don't even know if we contacted the vaccination centres, would they be able to tell us? Because certainly last week when I put calls, I remember there was somebody who was 61 and was wondering, is anybody else age 61 getting their second shot? And then we got inundated with people from all ages from 60 to 69 like we had a 68 year old who was getting her second uh, shot we had a 63 year old we had a 66 year old so I don't specifically know if it's going by the actual age or not because remember it is a, it is computer generated the appointments so I don't know uh, if we could, if the if the vaccination centre would be actually able to specifically tell us we're doing all the 61-year-olds or we're doing all the 38-year-olds uh, today uh, or not. And then there was another call in from a North Ian in North Cork. Uh, it says, Patricia, do you know how soon will they be rolling out the COVID vaccines for children? There's a rising number of cases in the under 16s and we're never going to get out of this pandemic unless we start vaccinating uh, children's, children. Well, well, I was reading this morning that all options are being considered for COVID-19 vaccinations for the 12 to 15 year olds and that's according to the HSE Chief Executive uh, Paul Reid uh, Paul Reid said that NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee and they do nothing until NIAC decide and say yes you can now go ahead with this vaccine for this particular age group. NIAC is assessing all of the information that's available globally on the vaccination of children and any plan to roll out vaccinations to to the younger age group then will be based on the emerging evidence which is coming 
from other countries and we do know in other countries they have started to vaccinate children between 12 and 15. I think America was possibly one of the first uh, countries to do it but there's other countries Israel is doing it as well for example so there are other countries doing it so NIAC are looking to the other countries they're waiting on all the evidence and then they will base their decision on when we are ready to start vaccinating 12 to uh, 15 uh, year olds. Now Paul Reid did say that the HSC is now on version 31 of its vaccination plan. They keep having to change their vaccination plan and that's based a lot on what NIAC tells them to do but obviously it's also based on the amount of vaccines that come into the country uh, every week. But Paul Reid said that everything that it has implemented so far has been done and it has been based on evidence. Now I'm assuming that the reason that Ian North Cork is asking when can we expect the rollout of vaccines for children was the Sunday Independent yesterday were reporting that vaccination for children as young as 12 could be underway as early as next month and there was the suggestion that it would be built into the school's immunisation programme but then Paul Reid yesterday speaking on national radio he said NIAC hasn't come to any conclusion on vaccinating children yet so it isn't it isn't possible to say that they will start rolling out vaccines next month it's not to say that it won't happen but it's too early to say it he said the group are also NIAC have still yet to make a recommendation on the mixing of vaccines again the mixing of vaccines is happening in other country countries NIAC are still looking at all of the emerging evidence before they say yes it's going to be okay for say people who got an AstraZeneca first to get a Pfizer or a Moderna as their second jab but they haven't made the decision decision yes yes now yesterday saw the highest number of daily cases recorded for the last two months we haven't had figures this high since last may 562 the delta variant is definitely getting a grip in this country then of course as soon as those figures are announced you immediately look to what's going on in our hospitals and that's the one that we really have to keep an eye on 48 people are being treated for covid-19 in hospitals and there's 14 of them in intensive care Our vaccine programme continues to roll out 4.3 million vaccines have been administered so far and we are now at 48% of adults are now fully vaccinated. Do I take by the end sometime during this week we'll be announcing that we're halfway there and that 50% of all adults will be vaccinated there and then of course the big news when it comes to vaccinations is 100 120,000 doses of the single shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine due to be distributed this week. Pharmacies have begun administering the injections to people aged between 18 and 34 and by all accounts pharmacies all over the country were inundated with phone calls and young people calling in to say can I put my name down please I want to get uh, vaccinated. So 120,000 thousand doses and of course the Johnson Johnson is a great one because it means they'll get one shot in their arm and two weeks later they will be fully vaccinated. Paul Reid estimates that between 60 and 63% of the adult population will be fully vaccinated by the end of this month and if the 200,000 Johnson and Johnson vaccines are utilised then it'll be closer to 68% because within two weeks those people will be fully uh, vaccinated. Then of course we've got the extra million doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine 
planes that were buying in for for Romania, when they all arrive, they potentially could vaccinate between 12 and 13% of the population. So certainly while last week kind of started on on bad news and kind of everybody feeling down about the indoor hospitality not going ahead and everybody talking about the Delta variant and are we ever going to get out of it? And then there certainly was a bit of good news at the end of the week, I think with the announcement that the 18 uh, to 34-year-olds can start getting vaccinated and as well the good news from Romania that they have spare Pfizer and Moderna and Ireland in their fair dues to whoever negotiated that. They were in there, the first, I think, of the European countries to get in and say, we'll buy them, we'll take them all from you. And uh, we're hoping that they're going to arrive sometime this week. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And for people in the Fomoy area, we've had some calls and texts in about their, their water has gone this morning and could we find out why we got onto Irish water? And they tell us, unfortunately, there has been a burst water main. Repairs are ongoing as we speak, and because of that, there are supply disruptions to farm. Glen, Barry's Boreen, Dunteheen and Fomoy and the surrounding areas and it'll be there reckon till about four o'clock today. Uh, so Irish Water working to repair that burst water main. Now the majority of renters would like to own their own home in five years time but just 30% expect that they will. It's according to the findings of the latest tenant sentiment survey which is conducted by Threshold, the national housing charity. Joining me the chairperson of Threshold, that's uh, Aideen Hayden Good morning to you, Aideen. Morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Now, what percentage of people are renting at the moment because they simply can't afford to buy their own, their own houses? People who don't want to be renting. Well, um, our survey was representative of the overall um, breakdown of population by way of the 2016 census. So we believe it's um, very representative of the population of renters that are out there uh, in at the moment. And we interviewed people nationally throughout the country. So um, it's fairly representative as well as to what's uh, happening in different parts of Ireland. So bottom line of it is um, over 50% uh, of Irish people, in fact, uh, more, 62%, who are renting don't want to be renting. They would prefer to be owning their own home. Um, the only category of renters that actually, where you have a majority that are wanting to rent, are actually under the age of twenty-five. So Every the, other yeah. age category. So the, uh, the older the older you are, the more likely you are not to be happy renting. These are the people who, in the ideal world, would be paying a mortgage and owning their own property. You can see from the the responses that, for example, nobody over the age of fifty-four uh, wanted to be renting. Um, in the category 35 to 44, 68% said they wanted to own their own home. Um, when you get to 45 to 54, believe it or not, the number goes down. And we think that's because there's um, a sort of an element of loss of hope, um, particularly after the age of 45, um, or you know, hope in terms of getting a mortgage. Um, so there's an element to which people begin to feel that they're very trapped renting and that they really don't have many options going forward. Only 14% of the people we surveyed felt that they had uh, um, any chance of getting a social home, for example. So in other words, uh, getting a home from a local authority or um, uh, an AHB. So ultimately, you know, what we have is a, a very 
unaffordable rental sector where people feel very insecure and trapped and, and don't feel that they have any real option of getting out of the sector. Um, and particularly, uh, you know, the people who want to get out, they want to get out to own their own homes. So in terms of, you know, the traditional Irish, um, you know, uh, we, we are a nation of homeowners uh, and certainly we are a nation of people who want to own their own homes. That hasn't changed. I mean, just because we have almost 20% of our population now renting privately, nationally, from a private landlord, doesn't mean that they actually want to be there. Yeah, because once upon a time, you would have gone on that journey of renting and it was a stepping stone to house purchase. Well, that's absolutely true, Patricia. And it you know, would have been very much seen as a transitional sector. But now, uh, of the people we surveyed, the vast majority of them, over 80% of them, have been renting for over six years. Um, but, and, and I think this is the bit that, that, that really demonstrates how insecure the sector is, the vast majority of them had only been in the same place, renting in the same place for two years. So what you're seeing is uh, you know, a, a scenario where people have to move regularly. And the people who are finding it the hardest under uh, our survey to find somewhere to go are people with children. Um, over 88% of people said they found it almost impossible to find somewhere to live. And we had one client who made over 200 phone calls before oh, he was actually oh. able to find somewhere to live. Oh, it's soul-destroying, isn't it? And I mean, if you're doing that with children and then trying to move and make sure that the children stay in the same school so you're limited in the area where you're looking to rent a house, it must make it nigh on impossible. Well, it is, if you think about it, you know, I mean, you've got kids in school, they're making friends, you know, they, they're they setting down their roots, you know, they're having people around to play, they're going to other people's, you know, people's houses to play. I know the schools and all the rest of it, but like, that's a natural childhood, you know, and for people who have to up sticks and move every couple of years, and regularly not moving, you know, in, in the same area, having to move to, particularly because, you know, prices... Rents have, over the last five years, really gone through the roof. Um, and if you're depending on something like a HAP payment, for example, HAP, uh, HAP levels haven't gone up since 2016, so they're not keeping pace at all with rents. Um, and a lot of people are being forced to move to find somewhere cheaper. And that means that they're moving further and further away sometimes from their families and their support groups and the local school and the local GAA and all the things that make you know, that make kind of living in a place, uh, making you you part of the community. Mm. So there's huge implications there. But I think one of the things that we need to bear in mind as well is that we're going down this road at um, a serious cost because as people get older, if they can't get either, you know, a social home with security or if they can't get into owning their own home, there's major problems. I mean, you can't afford to pay current market rents on a reduced income once you retire. Um, and if you think about the state pension and you think about the average cost to rent a property in Ireland today, which is in and around a thousand euros. And as you can imagine, uh, maybe for a, you know, a family with three kids, that's even more. So how is that going to be paid for? You know, how are people in older age? We see it now with our older clients 
you know, the difficulty they have in paying their rents and just being able to afford to put, say, food on the table. So there's there's big affordability issues there and it's going to get worse with our population. Okay, so what are the solutions, obviously, both short-term and long-term? Short-term, what are the solutions? Well, I think the first solution we need is to look at the, the, the rental sector itself and say, okay, People are living there and they're going to be living there. That's that's just the reality. It's 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 modern life to have quite a number of people renting and we have to make that secure for people. So we want to see obviously a number of measures introduced to let that happen. So one of the things obviously I think, you know, it go, almost goes without saying is that you have indefinite tenancies uh, and proper leases that give people security for 5, 10, 15 years, for example. Uh, at the moment, our, our private rental system is archaic. You need to get your landlord's permission to paint a wall. And, and you can imagine your child's favourite colour is blue and you're not allowed to paint the magnolia wall any colour other than what your landlord would agree to. So we're, it's really not fit for purpose for, for modern living. So we want to see obviously long-term tenancies, but we want to see affordable tenancies and we want to see um, situations where we don't have the type of substandard properties that we have at the moment in the rented sector. So there are three very, I suppose, straightforward things that need to happen and that's number one. Number two, obviously, is we have to really look at the barriers to affordable purchase for people um, because that's what they want and there's no point turning around to people and telling them what they want is not legitimate um, so there is there's that as well so I think we need to look at the current measures that are being put forward around affordability in terms of purchasing but look a lot harder at that because you know the shared equity scheme at the moment that's being proposed is only allowing for a 20% share between say um, the local authority or stroke government and the individual buying I think we need to go back to some of the older schemes like which is the older shared ownership schemes that allowed a 50-50 share for example with, say, a local authority and somebody buying. Because one of the real issues is now is precarious employment. You know, we don't have the job for life anymore mm. and we have an awful lot of people living in very insecure sectors. And we saw that a lot during COVID, particularly for renters. You know, they're in tourism, they're in hospitality, they're in areas um, like, you know, sectors where you're working under contract for a, a number of, say, months at a time. You could be earning very good money, but you don't have security in the longer run. And, you know, banks aren't that keen to look at you in terms of granting you a mortgage. So we need to be looking outside the box. Obviously, we need to be looking at better affordable rental, cost rental models, um, you know, more geared along the lines of what you know, people will have heard of as the Vienna model. And over uh, and above that, obviously, we need a lot more social housing, you know, well, housing I, I, where people can be secure for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and I saw, and I know it's to be revealed later in, in the coming weeks by the Housing Minister, Dara O'Brien, that more uh, first-time buyers will be able to apply for the state-backed mortgages. Uh, the This is the Rebuilding Ireland Home Loan uh, yes. Scheme. The income limits are set to increase. I mean, that's got to be welcomed. Very, very welcome. I think the Rebuilding Ireland Home Loan, you know, really should be front headline news. You know, everybody should know about it. It's a fantastic product. Um, And again, if the Minister could expand the amount of money that's available under the Rebuilding Ireland Home Loan scheme and, and, you know, make sure that it's accessible to people. Again, we're looking 
every day at people who are paying twice as much to rent as they would be paying in a mortgage. That's that's um, the galling part of this and it must yeah. and, and really difficult for families knowing that they're paying back a mortgage for somebody else really is what they're doing. Well this is the thing and you know we now have a lot of institutional investors coming into the country um, and they, you may have seen that been buying kind of say whole apartment blocks that type of thing yeah. um, and you know those properties are all being put into the upper end of the market really and that again is also driving up rents. So the pressure is up, not down. Yeah. And we need to be saying, okay, is this going to really work for us? You know, or, or do we actually want, uh, you know, a system where people can rent securely, rent affordably if that's what they choose, and they have the option to own their own home or they have a realistic chance of getting a social home? Okay. Because it's about security in society that I think is the real issue. And I think there's, we, we spent too long, particularly during the Celtic Tiger years, looking at houses as investments rather than you know, what they are, what they really are, places to live, yeah. a home, somewhere yep. to bring up your children. Absolutely. Listen, words well said, uh, Aideen. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Aideen Hayden there, who is the chairperson of the housing charity at Threshold. Michael says, uh, Patricia, we'll hear the same old story about renting and housing and every politician and every government will be blamed when in fact Michael feels it's totally down to the planners. They've driven the population out of rural Ireland and it's they who have turned out the lights. Sorry to say they have been left to get away with it and the renters are paying the price and and then Michael on another issue wants to talk about the unvaccinated, the anti-vaxxers who were marching. I'm assuming this is the group that were in Dublin at the GPO, even though the film footage I saw, there wasn't that many people at it, but there was some anti-vaxxers and people wanting to end lockdown and all of that. Anyway, Michael says, my God, they are potential variant factories. Always remember the crowds, well, always remember the crowds that chose Barabbas, not because they loved him, because they hated the truth. I wish some people would let that sink in. Having just heard from Aideen Hayden from Threshold and their report that shows that only 47% 47 of renters say they feel secure in their tenancy, it's no wonder that 75% of people renting want to purchase their own house. Lisa O'Shea is from Carasivine. She owns a beauty salon and she joins me to outline just how difficult it is today to buy your own home. Good morning to you, Lisa. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, You're welcome. You have a heartbreaking story to tell about trying to buy the house that you currently live in. So firstly, a bit of background. How long have you been living there and who do you rent the house from? Yeah, so I'm living here nearly 12 years and initially uh, and still am in the HAP scheme. And it was uh, obviously a private landlord that had the property up until nearly three years ago. It was uh, repossessed by the banks and um, I would have got letters in the door to say that this was the case and that was fine. I would have initially told them from day one that I would be interested in purchasing this property and like that I had never contacted Kerry County Council to try and purchase the property or anything like that. I was like, I'll you know, go ahead with the aim with trying to purchase it myself. And then, um, like that now, in all the years, you know, I've maintained a lot of it, um, trying to get jobs done or whatever, a lot of the time is impossible. So I've I've done the work. Because obviously um, you don't have a landlord that you can go and say, you know, the kitchen needs painting. 
Yeah, well, even if, when I did, to be honest with you, it you know it wasn't always carried out. So I just did it. You okay, know, well done. Um, well done. So I you've, couldn't you've be just ma- looking at something. So you know? you've, you've maintained the property and you've continued to pay the rent throughout yes. the, the the three years. Yes. Okay. How did you discover that the house was up for sale? So it was, I think, the Thursday before the June bank holiday, up to my eyeballs at work, and I got a text message from a friend to tell me your house is on daft. And I was like, you are joking. So I liked that then. I was in a tizzy, as you can imagine, um, trying to find out where the council contacted about the sale of the property, bringing my solicitor and everything. And it was just crazy. And then the last couple of weeks, it was just, I, I actually don't know where the month went because it was just crazy trying to figure out what needed to be figured out, getting your finances in order, accounts done, everything. Um, and then it went up for public auction last Friday week. And um, you have to register to take part in the auction, obviously, and hand over a, a part of the deposit. And then you go online, you sit in front of the computer at 8 o'clock in the morning, and there's a time limit of an hour and 50 minutes. So as I was kind of sitting there, I was just kind of like, I didn't really like believe this was happening. Like, and I had said to my mother, I said, the only one losing anything here is me, you know. Um, Thursday, I had found out there was one other bidder. And then the morning of, there was three other bidders against me. And it was no, just no, so no, destroying, you okay, know, as so you're sitting there watching the bids going up. Three other bids. Had had those people come and seen the property? No. No. All that was up was a picture of the outside of the house, which was taken while I was not here. And um, there's no inside pictures. Whoever has bought it has no idea what the inside looks like. So, like, it could be in rack and ruins inside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so the bidding st- now. It, it it did I read it initially started at ninety thousand. Yeah. So that was the reserve price. Yeah. Okay. And kind of it was very slow, kind of moving because everybody is obviously kind of maybe waiting and waiting not to be driving up the price too mad, I suppose. And kind of at about an hour and 45 minutes, it was still at only 99,000. And was and that with you? Was, was was that your bid? Uh, not sure if it was my bid that went in at okay. that, but, you know, you had people kind of going in the whole time. And then it literally, so when it gets to the hour and 50 on the clock, and if you put in like a bid in the last few seconds or whatever, the clock restarts again to 60 seconds and it oh. starts counting down and then obviously what everybody is trying to do they're trying to wait for the last five seconds to try and get in the oh. last bid so oh. it literally went from 99,000 to 135,000 in about four minutes of that craziness the clock counting down and you're putting in a bid and you're like oh my god will I put in another bid you know and then it just got to a point where it's like I, I can't I'd even gone over what I had initially planned but I got to a stage where I was like, no, I can't go any further, you know. And there was two other bidders that went in after me. And yeah, it ended at 135. From an asking price of 90. Yeah. And yeah. what was your limit? What were you willing to go to? Um, initially, I was kind of going in at 110 um, with what I was kind of working on with what I could gather. But um, I kind of went to 129 with... Oh, you know, somebody saying, look, we'll, we'll get it somewhere, yeah, we'll whatever. Because yeah. um, at the end of the day, it's my home. Like, oh. I'm here 12 years. I have the best neighbours ever. 
like I don't want to have to move out of here and I didn't want to have a new landlord. I wanted to purchase this property for my security and my daughter's security. And, you know, and like that, like the whole time, like, you know, I was pushing when I found out when the house was up, you know, I had to run and get my accounts done so that I'd have my finances in order to go and apply for mortgages. I had to get an engineer's report. I had to get an evaluation done. Like, so I've had to pay out all this money and yes, I still don't have a house. For nothing. It. And do and you like, know you who's, have, who's purchased your home, no, Lisa? No. I have no idea. But no do idea. you, are you led to believe that you will be able to continue renting it? I have no idea. So you don't Absolutely know if it's no somebody... It, it surely can't be somebody who wants to move in when they've never seen the inside of it. It's... it's. I don't know. I absolutely don't know. The way it was marketed by the auctioneer was that it's, there is a tenancy agreement in place and basically they were kind of pitching it to like a landlord. They had the amount of rent that's paid yearly up on it, uh, on the site as well. So they were pitching it for somebody to buy it as an investment. And can the auctioneer tell you if it, it, it you if you'll be able to rent continue renting or not? No, I had asked. Could you tell me who purchased it? And no, because of GDPR, they couldn't divulge that information. You're really mm-hmm. you're really in limbo at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I have no idea, you know. And even at that, like because I'm renting through the HAP scheme, you know, basically the council attitude is, well, if they want you to move out then we'll have to rehouse you. And I'm like, well, where are you going to get a house? You know, there is no property to rent in Carstavine. It is very hard to get a property to rent. And not alone that, I would need a property that is empty because I own everything in this house. I own the carpet. I own the hinges on the windows. I've owned the locks and the doors because things were never replaced. I had to pay for that, you know? So and, and you don't, you've got your daughter living with you, am I right? Yeah, my yeah. daughter is 15, yeah. Ah, boy. It's dreadful. You know? it, it's just, it's shocking. It, it's, it, yeah. it's, and it's the way it unfolds. And it's, the, those online auctions are just fine for the person that manages to purchase the property. But, yeah. but all you can see and all I ever hear about online auctions is the price goes up and goes up yeah. and goes up. I mean, yeah. it, it, it was insane. It really yeah. was insane. And like I say, it's like, you know, Fine if somebody is, you know, there's five people bidding on a property that's empty. But this is my home that I was sitting there bidding on. And you weren't even given a and chance like, at the outside came, to purchase. Yeah, no. And nobody came to my door and said, Lisa, look, are you interested in buying the property? If not, we'll say, you know, we'll buy it. If you are interested, we'll stay out of it. Actually, one woman texted me, all right. But other than that, uh, nobody else came to my door and said, look, are you, are you going to buy it? We'll stay out of it if you are. Yeah. It's you heartbreaking. Know? It really is heartbreaking. Listen, look yeah. after yourself, uh, Lisa. We'll keep in contact with you because I'll be interested to see how it, how it works oh, out. I mean, if nothing else, I hope at least you have a roof over your head and you can yeah. stay there and then perhaps be able to buy an, another similar property uh, close by. But listen, thanks a million for sharing your story with us this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Thank Good you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Uh, Lisa O'Shea there from, as I did say at the outset, is a heartbreaking story from Cara Savine. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me look at some of your texts and calls coming into the programme this morning. Uh, Here's one completely away from vaccines because I can see a lot of questions and comments coming in about vaccines. But morning, Patricia. Could you please highlight the following? Last Friday and Saturday, there was a waste plastic collection day in Canturk for the farming community. Every year, these collection days are held. The idea in principle is good, but unfortunately... I feel it's not working properly as there is now plastic all over the roadside since the weekend. And this happens every single year. Between Newmarket and Rockchapel, I personally counted seven different lots of plastic on the roadside. Now, it wasn't put there deliberately, but it fell off the trailers, the farmer's trailers, on their way to the collection pickup point in Canturk. I feel this plastic should be collected on the farm. And if the farmers purchased for example, 100 kgs of plastic for silage, then there should be 100 kgs of plastic collected. The collection days are just another way to tick a box and get a cert for farm waste. And by the way, I am from a farming family. So just to think that isn't somebody giving out about farming. And I'm assuming that that happens everywhere. If the farmers, in fairness, in good faith, are bringing the plastic back, you know, doing the right thing. You certainly don't want that going into landfill and you don't want it there forevermore. So they're doing the right thing. They're having these collection days. But have we a problem in that the fact that they're put in the back of trailers and then the farmer is going to the collection point and some of the plastic is flying off the back of the trailer? How do we get around that? And this listener is saying it's in their area of North Cork and in particular Newmarket to Rock Chapel. But if it's happening in the North Cork area, do I take it it's happening in other areas where these plastic collections are going on as well? Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 And then a number of people on about vaccination. I spoke about the possibility of 12 to 15 year olds being vaccinated. There was a report in the Sunday Independent that it could start as early as next month. But then Paul Reid clarified that and said no, that NIAC at the moment is assessing all of the information available globally globally on the vaccination of children before they make a decision. But somebody says, Patricia, revaccinating the 12 to 15 year olds. I think it was Professor Luke O'Neill who said they shouldn't be, there shouldn't be any need to vaccinate that age group. Haven't they enough pumped into them at that age already? When I think with the rising number of cases in that age group, I think we are going to see that age group getting vaccinated because certainly it's what's happening in other countries and that's what NIAC are doing. They're looking at all of the information from other countries before they will make their uh, decision. Uh, Ellen says, Patricia, I heard Paul Reid say yesterday that all the 60 to 69 year olds will get their second dose within 10 to 11 days and that was from yesterday as yesterday was the 4th of July. I assume everyone will be done by the 15th of July. And by the way, says Ellen, did Micheál Martin get his second dose of AstraZeneca uh, yet? He was... He got his the week before, so he should be done done by now, says Ellen. I wonder, did he get the Pfizer as his second uh, jab? Well, I can tell you there he didn't because NIAC has still to make a decision on mixing vaccines. So nobody's got a mixed uh, vaccine through, certainly through the HSE uh, portal. So no, and I don't know. I didn't see any publicity around. I'll get John Paul to see if he can check and see did Micheál Martin get his second one, but certainly he's due to get his second shot if he hasn't got it yet. And then Ellen said also, Patricia, 
could you please clarify the effectiveness of the AstraZeneca vaccine against the Delta variant? Uh, Some reports are saying that it is only at uh, 60% effective. And even if it was at 60% effective, a vaccine that's 50% effective is a very effective vaccine. But the very latest that I read on AstraZeneca and Pfizer to do with the Delta variant, the latest I read was from Public Health England and they're similar to our NEFET. And Public Health England, obviously they're looking at data based on a lot more people have been given AstraZeneca and a lot more people have been given Pfizer in the UK that have been given in this country. We also know that the Delta variant is much more prevalent in the UK than it is in this country. And the latest I heard from Public Health uh, England when they were doing analysis on the level of protection, they said that full Full, fully immunised people had similar levels of protection against hospitalisations and death and that's what you want a vaccine to do with Delta as it does against the Alpha variant and the Alpha variant was the Kent variant was the one we were all battling up to when Delta arrived and the analysis in Public Health England suggested that the Pfizer vaccine was 94% effective against hospitalisations after one dose and then it went to 96% after two doses and for the AstraZeneca after two doses it it rose to 92% after two doses and that's out, that's from uh, Public Health uh, England. I know Stephen Donnelly was talking about AstraZeneca and he was saying and Pfizer, they were saying that after the first dose it was 33% effective, then they said it went to I think 60% for AstraZeneca and 93% for um, Pfizer or, or 88% for Pfizer but anyway, that was uh, that was Stephen Donnelly but certainly looking from Public Health England they are saying and they're seeing a lot more Delta variant than we are so they're saying 96% for Pfizer and 92% for AstraZeneca. Uh, 1850 Hi Patricia, I got my first vaccine in Mallow on the 2nd of May and I went to the City Hall in Cork last Thursday, which was the 1st of July for my second shot. I was there for 10am. My appointment, by the way, was for 10.30. I was back in my car for 10.30. They were fabulous up there. No waiting around and all went great, says uh, Catherine. Well done. And I'm also hearing from others who are after getting appointment uh, dates. Hi Patricia, got my first vaccine on the 15th of May. I'm after getting my appointment for my second one for next Sunday the 11th of July. So it will be just nine weeks I will have waited. I'm 62. Hi Patricia, I'm delighted. I got my first vaccine. This is another one on the 15th of May, which will be eight weeks on Saturday. And I got my appointment for Friday the 9th. So one just one day before the eight weeks, I'm dancing around the kitchen and the text message arrives. So it does look like people around that kind of date. And that's not to say that everyone who got their vaccine on the 15th is going to be getting an appointment. But it looks like, because it seems to be working by date pending on the area you're in so please God people can those who are really really waiting for that text message and you know I, I, I tell you in our house when those texts were all fully were all vaccinated no thank God but when those texts were arriving it became a joke in our house it was anyone that watches Love Island will know there's a famous line in Love Island where any of the people taking part will get a text and they'll shout across to everybody else go text and we started doing that jokingly in our house when we got a text to say we were going for our first or our second uh, vaccine such was the joy so I understand that dancing around the kitchen remark someone else says Patricia do you know that if you're working for Pfizer your whole 
family, everybody in the household can avail of the vaccine. Uh, that's what happened to my neighbours and by the way it included teenagers. I wonder what age the teenagers were, that's interesting. I did know that about Pfizer. Uh, that came out very early on. Pfizer decided to do that. They invited everybody in, everyone that work, worked with them, all their workers got it first. Then they started giving it to their family members and I don't necessarily think it's everybody just in the household because we were contacted by some people whose son worked, sons and daughters worked in Pfizer and they weren't necessarily living in the same house as them but as their parents they were entitled to it as well but I'd I'd be interested to know what age the teenagers were, are they giving it to below 16 year olds or is it just 16, 17 18 and 19 uh, year olds but yes I was aware of that and then another listener says when I was talking about we're waiting on NIAC to make a decision on the 12 to 15 year olds and we're also waiting on NIAC to make a decision about the mixing of the vaccines. This listener says what is it with NIAC? Uh, What are they doing? We need them to decide much faster. Other countries are able to make vaccine mixing decisions leaps ahead of our country. Tis crazy. Meanwhile, people are getting infected. Too many decision makers. We seem to have layers of them in this country. And they all seem to be so ridiculously slow when it comes to making a decision. Also, we're hearing of a lot of pharmacies are not giving out appointments today. They're just taking telephone numbers, emails and contact details. Nobody knows where they're on on the list. And that is posing a few questions as well. And I know when I was talking in the office with John Paul before I came into the studio uh, today, uh, we were saying we were trying to get on to some of the, he was trying to get on to some of the local pharmacies just to see where, where we were because I know I did hear I saw it on social media when I was out and about. I could hear people talking. I was listening to other talk radio over the weekend and every pharmacist was saying that they their phones were ringing off the hook with young people. And again, it gave me comfort in many ways because it shows even within the younger generation, there's a real sense of trust in the vaccine and people know how important this vaccine is and how important it is to get vaccinated so that we can all get on with some kind of a normal life. And I took great comfort from that because we've seen in the older age groups and in the middle age age groups we are very we very much want to get our vaccines and we're you know as soon as portals opened we are the first to sign up and unfortunately that's not the same in every other country there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy and health departments and you know the equivalent of our Neffet and other countries are really starting to panic because they've got such vaccine hesitancy and they can't get it through to people how important it is to get the vaccines. And I know, for example, somebody was saying, why are we buying? How are we managing to buy the million doses from Romania? Unfortunately, Romania has a real problem with vaccine hesitancy. And I was doing some reading about this over the weekend because, I, you know, you, you, when you heard about Romania, you were thinking, God, you know, do the Romanian people, do they not need these vaccines? Why are we getting these vaccines uh, from them? But there's a huge amount of hesitancy. But it unfortunately goes back to the Ceausescu regime. Remember the Ceausescu regime in Romania? And we saw those horrific documentaries from the orphanages on the dying rooms. Do you remember the children, the little orphans dying? It was just... I can still see some of the scenes that were in that documentary, which is what easily 20, 30 years ago now. But during the Ceausescu regime and that dictatorship that ran in Romania, they used a lot of their own people to test, to do dummy testing and testing that was should never have been done on humans, you know, clinical trials that should never have been done on humans. And therefore, because of that, there is a huge level of fear 
amongst the Romanian people when it comes to vaccines because they know what happened to previous generations and they know what happened to family members. So, I mean, we do have an, an issue in some countries in trying to get the message out about how safe these vaccines are and any side effects are minor and while yes there are very very tiny minuscule number of cases where things unfortunately have gone wrong but they are in the scheme of things tiny when you look at the overall picture like for example when people talk about the clotting the very small small, tiny tiny number of people who got clots from the AstraZeneca and remember now they know what they're looking looking out for so I don't even know if what the stats are on people dying from that clotting event and now but then when you look at the flip side of that if people don't to get a vaccine and then get a clot how many people die from clots because of getting COVID-19 so you have to weigh it all up but we don't in this country thankfully have a lot of uh, vaccine hesitancy and people were saying I wonder will we have vaccine hesitancy in the young people and judging by the reaction when the news went out that 18 to 34 year olds could register we certainly don't seem to have vaccine hesitancy that young age group want to just be able to get on with their lives 1850 John Paul's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Chem Technology, they're based in Charleville. They have full and part time positions available. It's for general operatives, so you need to have some experience in electrical and air pumps. Full time deli assistant that's wanted for a busy service station that's in Bandon, while a gate attendant is required for a large construction project that's in Cork City. And the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, they're looking for a chef to party. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, we received the following email from Dermot, one of our listeners last week. This was after an interview that we did on the programme with the EPA, and it was on septic tank inspections. And Dermot says, I live in Court McSherry, and a new public wastewater treatment system which cost the taxpayer 10 million euro was constructed. The scheme has been operational since the latter stages of 2019. However the system is not working correctly for the current population. During the planning stage of this project I was guaranteed by a senior Cork County Council engineer that it was a state of the art system and would not affect my quality of life in any way. This could not be further from the truth. The system is simply in my opinion not fit for purpose powerful foul odours emanate from the plant on a regular basis last summer the smells were so bad that we couldn't even open the windows in our house on the hottest of days last week alone when we had the beautiful weather the smells have been unbearable seeping into my bedroom in the early hours and even disturbing my sleep A number of locals, myself included, have witnessed wastewater discharges floating in Court McSherry Estuary. Only last week there was a no-swim notice in Court McSherry Bay due to water quality issues because of an infrastructure failure in the system. Over the last year, I've repeatedly contacted Cork County Council, Irish Water, the EPA, 
Glan Agua and all of my local councillors to report the issues to try to have the problem resolved. They appear to have entertained me at first, making promises to investigate and ultimately fix the plant, but they've now stopped returning my calls. It's easy to listen to your segment on the programme last week and think that all properties should be connected to a public system, but the reality is that the public system isn't working and nobody seems willing to fix it. To find out what's going on, I'm joined by Court McSherry-based councillor John O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Now, what's going on here? Firstly, is the smell as bad as Dermot describes? An occasion, yes. I, I don't live closer, but I've been told by, by the Dermot and, and other locals it, it, it is an occasion. Very bad. It's unbearable, really, is what I'm told. And, and is that is that my, normal from a wastewater treatment no, plant? It's not. It's not. And we must go back to the start here and, and, and your email there is right there, but it's quite right. When when this was designed, and as you were aware, I was one of the proponents pushing this for a number of years. Yeah. And one of the, when it was designed, there was a baseline study taken that the the um, plant would have to operate and would not create uh, extra smells and would have to operate to the baseline level that was there previously. And that was put out. The, this this uh, plant is, is a DBO, design, build and operate. So the, the, the operator, quote, tendered for the, the contract as a whole, including the, um, the stipulations that they would have to maintain the order levels below the, the, the baseline level that was done there prior to the scheme being done. And it does... It, it, Dermot and I've, I, I've, I've had regular conversations with him, and I've, I've assured them, and assured all the, the neighbour, the, the locals there, that I will stand for nothing less than the, the operator adhering to the standards and to the conditions of the contract that, that they were awarded. I mean, it seems unreal to think that somebody has been woken at night from their sleep because the smell is so bad what's seeping into their bedroom is so bad and having to on the hottest days of the years having to have all your doors and windows closed I mean that's that's just not good enough Yeah it's not and I suppose I suppose we have to go back there probably is a precedent to this and and, and I suppose the the word on it is that it can be sorted when the uh, scheme of the plant was done in Tannikilty the same thing happened and it looks like pumping sewage long distances can allow us to, to go rent it or whatever. Now, my understanding is, is under the contract, the operator was to be putting some chemical through the, the, the sewage into the league before it was pumped down to stop it going rancid and creating the smell. And when we were examining, I was making representations on it, on it previously while, while the, the overseeing Cockroach Council engineer was there, he did, he did say to me that the, the plant is designed for certain levels of, of, of water. It, it appears that when, when the weather gets dry, that the sewage are, is, is not as, as, as liquid and is slower going through the plant, and that that looks like it could be a cause of the problem. But my clear undertaking and understanding this is that's not an issue for anybody else bearing the contract that took on, this, and they're required to keep... The, the, the plant operating to the standard, the baseline standard, which is zero order, which, which they contracted for, and they are going to have to do that, whatever it takes to do it. They're contracted to do it, and they have, they have to undertake it. OK, what was the issue last week with the no-swim notice? There was, to be honest with you, I, I, I suspended standing orders at the divisional meeting last, last week for the reason that we got an email at, at quarter past three on a Friday afternoon 
that there was an issue with um, with the with the sewer street pumping station in Timberleek, and that uh, they were t- taking uh, action to to remedy it and, and to fix it. And we were given a number uh, to ring, which would be available twenty four seven. And so when I, when I rang the number, the number wasn't answered. So to be fair, Kevin Murphy, who's the chairman of the municipal district, came over on, on, on the Saturday, and we visited the plant. There was nobody there. Then we met a contractor who was transporting by tanker the sewage from Timberley to Cotton Sherry. That there was, they were going to investigate that there was a breach in the pipe somewhere, and that it, it had gone into the bay. And for that reason, that they had they had uh, declared the Cotton Sherry Bay area and a no swimming area until they determined the, the water quality, and. Uh, so it, it was a break in the pipe, as far as I understand what happened there, coming coming down, and that the, the sewage went, went into the bay. That's kind of a hard, bitter uh, pill to swallow when 10 million is spent on the upgrade for that to happen, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. It is. And I mean, to be honest with you, the, the, there's always teething problems. It had the 12 month running period. We, we, we couldn't get roads or anything done in the 12 months. I remember that, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, it, it was completed in February of 2020. It was uh, the guarantee period ran out at the end of February 2021, which has just passed. Anything that should have turned up should, should, should have been ironed out in that 12 months at a minimum, one would, one would expect. But I mean, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest issues I had was that we have, we have tourist businesses operating in Cotton Sherry and Cool May, and we have new businesses started. And they were asking me, what, what was the story with the story with it? And we couldn't answer them. Because we we were left in in the darkness, I, as I said at the, at the, the divisional meeting, I said we were, I said we'd be treated like mushrooms. Like the the company here is going to have and, to and what fed and fed manure certainly inform public groups and let people know more more accurately what's happening. And number two, and, and, and I suppose number one, really, they're going to have to operate the plant to the standards that they're contracted to do, and yeah. that's that's the minimum they must do. Is there adequate monitoring of the treatments plant? Well, we're not. We've we're not made aware of that. Uh, now, Irish Water have withdrawn from us at council level. We can raise issues. The the county engineer will raise them with the with the um, Irish Water, and they'll get back to us. But I mean, the the question here is that needs to be answered. Here is is uh, Irish Water paid for the plant and commission? This is at ten million euros, as you said. The Glenacre are the company that have the contract and are, and are operating it. And they're between the hall. We seem to be falling. We're just not getting adequate information, not being updated enough. And people are being left in a situation. Yeah, like and listen, think we, we, you know, we understand things can, can go wrong. It's a little bit like I mentioned. Uh, one, one of the first things I mentioned this morning was people were interested for more because they've got no water. And we got onto Irish water and it's a burst water, water pipe and they're working on it. And I appreciate things like that can go wrong. But I think it's when it's lack of information are when people feel they're being ignored and yeah. like you you talking about a number we can ring and you ring it and there's nobody answering the phone that really that really frustrates people yeah that really frustrates people okay so, or, and just on the topic of the septic tanks which is what we were talking about last week you want to highlight an issue when somebody needs to upgrade their septic tank so needs to upgrade the, the septic tank they actually have to apply for planning permission and I'm going to raise the issue at the council meeting next Monday that I think that that, that needs to be re looked at. I think to be putting the cost and the charge of, of putting person, a person to um, a, a planning application to upgrade what is, is existing there. Surely there, there are um, companies out there that, that can certify that, that they're improving the situation. Yeah. 
you go to make an application, you have to get you have to get a, an engineer or, or some kind of, uh, of an agent to apply. That's a couple of thousand euros. You have to do other bits and pieces, two or three thousand euros there. That's adding significant cost to my to my understand my thinking. That's a disincentive to people improving the standards. Yeah, and if I think they, it should be streamlined. And if people are upgrading their septic tank, they're upgrading it because there's something wrong, right. wrong with it. So we need to do everything to make sure that it's an easy process as possible for these people. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I would take that report that was done last week. I mean, while the, st- the statistics were frightening it to a degree, you must understand that, that, that these inspections are carried out, having carried out a desktop risk assessment uh, previously, which which would identify where there pro- was likely to be problems. And secondly, a significant number of those who fail, the failure is because the tank hadn't been dislodged. So it, it's not a, a, a structural fault, it, mm. it's a kind of management fault. Yeah, and I yeah. think they should all be identified rather than coming up with, 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 with startling yeah, figures like that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point because sometimes it can be a simple solution to, <laughs> to, to rectify it. The, 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 biggest, the biggest cause for tanks failing uh, in the previous reports has been that they haven't been dislodged. Dislodging has a couple of hundred euros yeah. every number of years. That should not be regarded as a, as a structural uh, problem. While it may cause problems, it can be started quite reasonably and quite, quite cheaply. That's a good point. And I think, the, again, we're talking about information. The EPA should be more forthcoming with, with, with the details of, of, of what's out there rather than a big startling report. OK, and on a happy news story, tell us how Court Mac is getting on. Summer season underway? Summer season on, on, underway, I suppose, a bit of frustration over the fact that the in, indoor dining didn't, didn't start. But in yeah. fairness, it, it's doing very well. It's, it's become... Become a, a go-to location. We have lots of walks. We have lots of uh, we have businesses with with, with uh, sea adventures. We have a new one started there this year. We have uh, it's become known as, as a good place to go for a cup of coffee or to eat. So it's it's going it's going well despite the, the pandemic. And I suppose, but for the pandemic, it would be absolutely booming. But it's, it's doing quite well. Okay, and I saw I mentioned it again at the top of the program on the front page of the Echo this morning, uh, Reverend Kinsley Sutton looking after the souls uh, yesterday I, with the I, beach I, I church service. A fantastic man! He, he <laughs> comes up with, with lovely ideas. He he does a, a video most weeks. The, the man he's he's actually a breath of fresh air, and I I just like to compliment him and 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 his innovative ways of, of, of reaching out to people of his own church and, and outside it. He he's just. Oh, he! I, I know because I know the service was open to one and all. Everyone That's was. Right. Is that right. him playing? Play, is that him playing the guitar? And he, he, like he's, he's just. He, it's, 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 he's a unique. He's a unique personality outside of it, and just. And even he, he made the, the, the whole thing rhyme. He was preaching on the, to preach on the beach. Was was, was the way he was covering it. So, <laughs> I mean. It, Great asset to the area. Is that him playing the guitar? That's right. It is. He does. He does the little little video clips to introduce what he's going to do. I mean, if you get a chance, you should, and anybody's listening, to go back on on, on the Kilgariff and the churches on all the different videos he's done. He's, he's done one on, on the the mills in 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 uh, Castleview. He's done what he's done different vid- video clips, and he he kind of brings nature and 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 religion. To, he, he has a unique way of doing things, but he's he's a, a, a marvelous um, man to do video clips. They're very professionally done, and, and they're very very nice. And anybody that wants a bit of entertainment or just to look at something for interest, 
I'd advise him to go and look at it. It's the, 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 the Kilgariff Union of, of Parishes. And That's I know right. that the next beach church service, and I'm assuming this is weather permitting, will be in Court McSherry Beach Bay on Sunday, July 25th. John, we leave it there. Listen, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good thanks morning so to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. West Cork, uh, Councillor John O'Sullivan. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. C103's Smart Speaker Giveaway is coming. Play C103. We've got loads of cool new smart speakers to give away every day. Join Ken Tobin for Cork's More Music Breakfast and stay with us all day long for your chance to win. Listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. If we call you back, repeat the phrase Play C103 to win a smart speaker. C103's Smart Speaker Giveaway Starts Monday. Starts Monday. Stay listening to win and remember to say... Play C103. If something's free, why would you turn it down? I mean, a free haircut from a five-year-old. <laughs> oh, no. Or a free sample of onion paste. Oh. <clears throat> well, then, how about a free tour of your neighbour's new shed? Oh, that sounds well. Mm. OK, look, they were bad examples. But how about a free eye test and free glasses from the 69-year-old range of Specsavers with your PRSI? Well, that sounds like something to smile about. Book an appointment or find out more at specsavers.ie I've had many jobs, but the job I love most of all is caring for older adults. It's fulfilling knowing I'm making a real difference to someone's life. Become a Home Instead caregiver. Older adults will benefit from your companionship and regular assistance. The hours are flexible. Apply today at homeinstead.ie Home Instead Bus Connects is the National Transport Authority plan to improve bus services across the country. Our next stop is Cork. We are developing plans to redesign the bus network as part of the Cork Metropolitan Area Transport Strategy. But first, we'd like to hear your feedback. So take part in our online consultation on busconnects.ie. Remember, your views will help shape the bus network in Cork City for years to come. So make sure your voice is heard on busconnects.ie. BusConnects is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Get the power to do more with Sky Broadband and our best ever Wi-Fi from just €35 a month for 12 months. With lightning fast speeds, you can stream the hottest new shows without your screen freezing. And gamers can leave buffering broadband for dust. Switch to Sky Broadband from just €35 a month for 12 months. Search Sky35 today. Availability subject to location from 500 megabit speeds. Setup fees minimum term and further terms apply. See sky.ie forward slash speeds. What's the best way to predict your future? At IT Sligo, we can help you create it. Take the next step forward and choose from over 150 part-time online courses. Be empowered to create, change and build your future. Work hard and thrive with a flexible learning experience designed to suit you. Expand your mind, your options and your career. Make your future happen with online learning at IT Sligo. Apply now at itsligo.ie forward slash online learning. Record today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, our citizens' information slot this month is on employment issues. And joining me is Sylvia Adamska, who's Information Officer with South Munster Citizens' Information Service, which is based in Bantry. Good morning to you, Sylvia. A very good morning to you, Patricia. And you are welcome. We're going to discuss employment uh, issues today. Now, currently various services are opening up more to the public. Is there any change in the situation in relation to your own local citizens' information offices? Because I know most of your work has been done over the phone or online. Well, yeah, we're still providing our service mainly by phone and email, but we also see people by appointments in some offices which have been kitted with the PPE. We usually arrange appointments in situations where it's just not possible to help people over the phone. The best thing really is to ring us and we will talk through the query uh, and the best way we can respond to it because just some issues are best dealt with face-to-face. And in those circumstances, we definitely will arrange an appointment for Okay, but the walk-ins are still not available yet. No, unfortunately not That day will come back. It will will come back. Now, it is that time of year when people are planning holidays. Many people were temporarily laid off, obviously, during uh, lockdowns. Will this affect their annual leave entitlement? Uh, Yes, it would. Uh, Any period of time that people spend on layoff, not necessarily uh, a layoff because of pandemic, any layoff at all, uh, will affect the accrual of annual leave, which really is accrued only during the time that you're actually working or uh, taking uh, leave like maternity leave, for example. So let's say somebody was laid off for six months in 2020. This person will only have half of the normal annual leave entitlement for that year. So usually if they get four weeks for that year, they will only get two weeks. And is it the same in relation to public holiday entitlements? Do people just lose their public holidays if if it fell during lockdown? I mean, we've got a bank holiday weekend coming up now in August, for example. No, no, not necessarily. It's slightly different with public holidays. So, for example, if you laid off, uh, the first 13 weeks still cover you for the public holidays. So, for example, let's say somebody was laid off from the beginning of January until the end of May, They still would accrue the public holidays for New Year's Day and St. Patrick's Day, but then they will lose the Easter Monday and the May Bank holiday. So first 13 weeks are covered. Okay, and just one final one on uh, annual leave. We know, unfortunately, a number of people have been out sick because of the pandemic, including people uh, getting COVID. How How is your annual leave affected there? Well, the short answer is you do accrue annual leave if you're on a certified sick leave. Uh, And a very simplistic answer, very simplistic, is that you accrue it for the first 15 months of your illness. However, I would suggest to contact us and discuss it a little bit further because it may uh, get complicated, especially if the sick leave uh, spans over uh, two kind of sick leave years, uh, which normally by legislation is from the 1st of April until the 31st of May. But we can we can go through that with, with you if you have a if you yeah. have a question. And, un- and unfortunately, we have had people and heard of people with long COVID who've been suffering for, mm. for many, many months, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. OK, um, somebody's asking about um, pay, a pay slip for June and the payment for the June bank holiday is missing. Could that be correct? Oh, it could, but it all depends uh, on the circumstances of a person. So, for example, if the person is in full-time employment, no, they should be entitled to that payment uh, if they're working. But if somebody is in part-time employment, they would need to work 40 hours in the five weeks 
leading to the bank holiday. So again, I would recommend to contact us and we'll explore it further and give the correct information. And go through the hours. Many people have returned back to work now, for some for the first time this year. Is there anything in relation to their taxes, Sylvia, that they need to be aware of? Yes, there is. Uh, Because at the start of 2021, revenue by default Uh, made an assumption that everybody who is claiming COVID at that moment from social welfare would remain of the COVID payment for the whole year. Well, thankfully, this is not the case for for many, many people. Uh, uh, And when the COVID uh, is stopping with social welfare and the person is returning to work, uh, the employer gives that information to revenue. It's kind of automatic now, and the revenue will will uh, send amended tax credit certificate to people so they can be taxed correctly. However, it is still a very good idea to keep an eye if there's nothing unusual on the payslip, if, if things were done correctly, and maybe just contact us so we can have a look together uh, and advise on next steps if indeed something is incorrect on the payslip. Yeah, to make sure that you're, you're yeah. not paying too much, or that you're, <laughs> but also that you're paying enough. Now, unfortunately, um, Ireland may expect redundancies uh, coming up in the near future. Mm. Does COVID affect that in any way? Uh, it does. For example, uh, if people were laid off and claiming COVID, uh, the time spent on the layoff doesn't break the continuity of service, which is a good thing, but it will affect the redundancy lump sum calculation. But again, our staff, uh, we are trained on this topic and we can help with the redundancy calculation if somebody is in th- those circumstances. So, so just contact us and we will, we will uh, go through that with, with and, you. And is it always the case that if the employee was laid off temporarily, he or she had a choice to opt for a redundancy payment or look for something else? Is that still the case? Well, the law on claiming redundancy is suspended uh, for this emergency period and that will last until the end of September. So uh, at the moment, anyway, no employee can request a redundancy payment from the employer if they were laid off or put on the short-term working hours. Well, not until September, anyway. That, okay. will, that will change then. And then, Sylvia, talk to me about the minimum wage uh, because that changed this year, didn't it? Yeah, it did in January, indeed, yes. Uh, now it is ten euro and twenty cents per hour for an experienced adult worker, which really means that the person over twenty years old is entitled to ten euro and twenty cents. It is lower for those under twenty, so the lowest rate of pay uh, covered in legislation is seven euro and fourteen cents, and this is for people who are under eighteen years old. Um, there probably will be many young people looking for summer jobs now these months, so they should remember that this is the least they need to be paid per hour, 7.14. OK, and there and there's certainly this year a lot of young people have started work for the first time. We've only been discussing it, particularly in the hospitality uh, yeah. sector. Now, is there any issues that young people starting employment need to bear in mind? Uh, yes, uh, for example, the working week is completely different for young employers, uh, employees. Um, children that are aged 14 and over may do work during the school holidays, uh, but the hours uh, cannot exceed seven in any day or 35 in any week. Uh, it's slightly different for children uh, aged 15. They may do eight hours uh, light work uh, even during the school term time. A maximum working week for children over 15 would be 35 hours a week uh, or uh, 40 hours if they are in approved work experience. 
the maximum working week for young people aged 16 and 17 is 40 hours with the maximum of eight hours a day. There's also some difference in the hours of work because in general terms, young people aged 16 and 17 wouldn't be allowed to work before 6 a.m. in the morning and after 10 p.m. at night. So it's important to know it in the hospitality sector especially. Mm. And employers may not require children 14 and 15, so the youngest ones, to work before 8 a.m. and after 8 p.m. So that's important to remember. Yeah, particularly in, in hospitality. Yeah. Many hospitality places have, have reopened. We're still waiting, waiting for indoor dining. There's a question from a listener in relation to tips. Is there a law uh-huh. on how to deal with tips and who gets what? No, there isn't. So if you're working in a workplace where the tips are given by the customers, there's nothing in law stating if you're automatically entitled to those tips. Um, On the other hand, the law doesn't require you to give them back to the employer either. So it all depends really on custom and practice on the workplace. Um, Sometimes all tips are being collected by management and paid to staff through the payroll. But you have to remember in those circumstances that will be taxed in a normal way. Okay. Are employees entitled to sick pay from their employer? Um, No, not at present. Payment for sick leave is fully regulated by employment contracts and there is no legal obligation to be paid for sick days. However, the change is coming. The government is really committed to introduce the statutory sick pay, but it will be coming in a phased basis. It will be starting from three days paid sick leave in 2022, but that still requires legislation to pass. But at the moment, uh, if you're out sick, uh, you're not necessarily entitled to be paid unless uh, it's guaranteed in your contract. number of listeners have asked us this. Uh, they're, they're going for their vaccination. Are they entitled to paid time off to attend a vaccination clinic? No, not by law. However, there was a strong message from the government they encouraging employers uh, to facilitate those appointments and grant paid leave to attend them, to travel to them and attend them. And many do, to be fair. We hear that from people, but it is not legal requirement still to get uh, that, that leave paid. And problems do arise and some employees may feel badly treated. What redress is there for people in situations like that, Sylvia? Well, if that happens, it is really a, a big problem because work is such a big part of our lives. Um, uh, if, if you have problems with the, um, with the employer in employment situation, you can always make a complaint to the Workplace Relations Commission. Uh, however, uh, it needs to be remembered that there's very strict timelines uh, about making those complaints. And again, it would be important that somebody contacts us if they have any problems at work uh, because we do, uh, we do advocacy service as well. We provide okay. advocacy service and we would be able to help in making those complaints and also represent people at the hearing. Okay, well you're a mine of information we're over on time. Just very <laughs> briefly if people want to find out more because it's such a complicated area, uh, how can Citizens Information be contacted? Well, they can always look at our website, citizensinformation.ie uh, However, I would definitely recommend to ring us and we will talk through the issue uh, with, with anybody and about the situation we'll put people into the right direction They can contact Mallow on 0761078000 or contact Bantry, where I am based and you, they can always call me on 0761 
8390 and we definitely will do our best to help. You're, you're a walking information machine, Sylvia. <laughs> Enjoy that. Thank you for that and we'll talk again. Thanks for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Patricia. Good Thank morning. you very much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. That is uh, Sylvia Adamsky, Information Officer, Citizens Information in uh, Bantry. Get your questions in for Annalise Drisella, Nutrition Therapist, 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. John Cusack Insurances can sail. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We are about to give away C103's smart speaker, about to start C103's smart speaker giveaway. We have lots of great new smart speakers to give away every single day and we'll be inviting you to join Ken Tobin on Cork's More Music Breakfast and then stay with us all day long for your chance to win. You will be listening for the queue to text or WhatsApp and if we call you back, you're going to need to repeat the phrase Play C103 to win. That's the C103's smart speaker giveaway. Now it's starting next Monday here on the radio station with Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. So stay listening to win. And remember, you're going to need to pick up the phone and say play C103. But you'll wait, you'll wait for your cue to call to text or to WhatsApp. So keep a listen out for that and those smart speakers. If you have one already in the house, you'll know how fantastic they are. But if you haven't, you'll be in with a chance 
to win one here on C103 starting next Monday. So a lot of texts and calls coming in to us. Keep your questions coming in for Annalise, please, because Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, will join us after half past uh, 11. But Heidi has been on to say, Patricia, I have texted you in the past on a few occasions to speak about potholes on the road. But has anybody else noticed that some car parking spaces can also be riddled with potholes in some shops. I was in one yesterday in West Cork and to say there was more potholes than road surface would be stretching it a bit, but not by that much. Does anybody ever inspect these car parks? Have people noticed that car parks can be as bad as the roads, some of the roads we are travelling on with potholes? Uh, thank you for that, Heidi. And actually, Heidi sent in another issue last the back end of last week that I didn't get a chance to get around to and so when I saw her WhatsApp kept come in, I saw her previous text and it's something that I do want to mention on the programme because I really want to hear from other listeners on this. And it is to do with an ad that's running at the moment on TV. It's an ad for Bank of Ireland and it's one of their mortgage ads and about making a house a home. And every time I see the ad, I get a lump in my throat. And when I first, the first I would say five or six times I saw the ad, it actually brought tears to my eyes. And it's the ad that depicts an elderly lady coming down the stairs of her house. Now, she's looking a bit shaky as she's coming down the stairs, but she's reminiscing about the memories that she's had in, in the house. And then the son is picking her up and he's driving her to the new house. And, you know, initially he's driving her to the new house to show the work that's been done. And this is your room, ma'am. And she kind of looks and nods and goes, yeah, it's grand, it's grand. And then then you see her on the final day with her little suitcase and she closing her front door for the last time. And she, you know, reminiscing about everything that's happened in that red bricked house over the years. And then they bring her back to the new house and they've done up the surprises that they've done up her room that's going to be her room in the way her old sitting room was in the old house and put all the old furniture into it. And she looks back and says to the son, thanks. And he just says, welcome home, ma'am. And I swear to God, it just brings a lump to my throat and I'm nearly in tears uh, thinking about it. And I just saw that as a very emotional ad. Well, it seems the reaction to that ad from older people. People have been absolutely furious and Heidi sent me in a link about it last week to say, would I discuss it here on the programme? That many, and Heidi can understand, she said, I understand why that ad has made older people angry. It comes across as Big Brother telling us older adults what to do yet again. To tell you the truth, I think most of us are fed up being dictated to, uh, says Heidi. And you know, when I saw it first, I didn't see it that way. I just saw this frail woman coming down the stairs and needed to, in the autumn of her years, needed to be looked after. And I saw a caring son who was trying to make her feel as comfortable as as she could in her own house. But I then didn't see it from the other side of an independent older woman who perhaps with a little bit of support, maybe a stairlift to help her get up and down the stairs. Maybe could you organise some home help to come in to make sure that she's okay? Could other things have been put in place rather than forcing her to sell the home that she had quite obviously raised her family in? And, you know, the the photograph on the wall is obviously of her and her husband and it was their marital home and she'd obviously been very happy in there. So older people are absolutely enraged by it. So your thoughts welcomed on it uh, if you saw it, but as I say, because it has sparked fury. 
amongst a certain generation of people who will not be bullied into selling their own their own house their own house houses and again only lately again that whole topic of conversation of the nature and the notion of older people downsizing older people that are perhaps in three and four bedroom houses maybe an older person living on their own in a three bedroom house or maybe a couple in a four and a five bedroom house and all the family are now gone and would they consider downsizing? And I think, I don't ever think we're going to get to a situation where the government will ever force anyone to downsize. And downsizing, let's be honest, has and does work for some people. If you're in a very large house and you're trying to maintain, say, for for example, a four-bedroom house, if you're trying to maintain a four-bedroom house and maybe you're a widow or a widower and you're on your own, there's a cost in maintaining an older house and then physically you might be frail and not able to do the jobs that need to be done that you may be better off for your own peace of mind as well to move to a smaller unit but then of course before we even get into that smaller units one and two bedroomed units are probably the hardest accommodation to find in this country and if people have lived in an area if you're living in a big house and you do want to downsize you want to downsize I'm assuming, and stay in the same area so that you're close to all the amenities that you're used to. You're close to all of your friends. Maybe your family live locally. You don't want to end up, you found an ideal house, but it happens to be 50 miles away. That's not the that's not the ideal world. So there are a lot of problems even for those that want to downsize. But I don't think we'll ever get to the situation where people will be forced to downsize. But I think people saw that in that particular ad. People just got very angry and felt older people have been forced against their will to move out of what has been their homes uh, for many, many years. So your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. Also coming in to us, we mentioned septic tanks. This was in regard to an interview that we carried last week on the programme, but it came up again when I was speaking with Councillor John O'Sullivan. Patricia, my experience of septic tanks, the modern tanks, according to this listener, seem to give much more trouble than the older tanks. It's panic when the new tanks seem to get blocked. But I thought John O'Sullivan's point was interesting when the EPA come out and say oh so many failed the inspection sometimes they just need desludging now I don't have a septic tank and I've never dealt with a septic tank but do they need to be desludged every year is that what you need is that the is that what's recommended is it every year or every every couple of years but some people put a septic tank in and never desludge it and obviously then it causes all kinds of problems when it does get blocked and John is wondering Patricia seeing as you're speaking to a councillor and you're mentioning septic tanks when are the council going to check their own septic tanks in some of their old cottages John is pondering I mentioned the vaccines coming in from Romania and the reason we're buying them is that there's vaccine hesitancy in Romania that has got a couple of people wondering we have a number of people from Romania who live in uh, Ireland will people from Romania if there's vaccine hesitancy in their old country will they be taking the vaccine in this country or not I know the HSE came out and they at one stage and they said that they were working with the Roma community because they were aware of vaccine hesitancy in their own uh, country and I know they were specifically targeting the Roma community so I'm assuming that they will you know they will inform the Roma people about the vaccine and, and you know the safety of it and uh, go through the, the how important it is to get vaccinated because we're living in the middle of a pandemic and then people are still giving out about NIAC 
and what I did at the top of the programme about we're waiting on NIAC they're assessing the information about whether we should vaccinate children and they're also still assessing the information about the mixing of vaccines should we allow if you got one dose of say AstraZeneca and you're waiting on your second should be should you be allowed to get one of the mRNA which is a different type of vaccine should we could we mix so that your second one is a different type of vaccine and we're still waiting on NIAC. Somebody says, and when are NIAC going to announce vaccine mixing or do we even know? Uh, and then someone else says, has the Irish government, I don't know where that has gone, has a member of the Irish government asked NIAC? Have they actually gone to NIAC? and actually ask them. Here it is. I'm just wondering, did the government actually ask NIAC to see if vaccines could be mixed or not? I don't remember if I actually heard that announcement thanking you, says a, a listener. So then I checked and said, because I do remember Tony Houlihan asked NIAC a number of weeks ago to look at could we mix the vaccines or not? And we we're waiting on NIAC to come back with their response. And then I was wondering, who is NIAC responsible to? So I did a quick Google search there while we were in news at 12 to find out NIAC. We know that the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, they provide evidence-based advice to the Chief Medical Officer to inform policies on vaccines and immunisation in uh, Ireland. So, I, do I take it from that? The Chief Medical Officer, Tony Hoolan, did the right thing. He went to NIAC to say, can we mix vaccines? Because we know the mixing of vaccine is going on in, uh, in other countries. And then he has to wait because they are the experts. He has to wait for them to gather all the evidence and then they bring it back to, to him. So that's the reason why I think we haven't heard that the government or anyone from the government has come out and whether they have as, have as well, I don't know. But a listener reckons they, if they did, hasn't, haven't seen it anywhere that they came out to say that the government has asked. But definitely Tony Houlihan has asked. So we, we'll wait and see what comes back uh, from that. Uh, hi, will they ever just hurry up and give us our second vaccines, those that are in our 60s? I would take a mixed one if I thought it was quicker I just want to be fully vaccinated and in the middle of all of those texts I get a text in from somebody saying Patricia how can I register to get vaccinated and it's from Michael in Skibbereen Michael I don't know what age group you are to give you advice on how you can get uh, vaccinated all I can tell you is you could go to the hse.ie if you're 35 years of age and over if you're aged between 18 and 35 you can go to a local pharmacy which whichever the ones are vaccinating and see if you can get their name on their list and then from the 12th of July Monday the 12th of July anyone between 18 and 34 will be able to log on to the vaccine portal and choose whether they want the earlier AstraZeneca or Janssen vaccine or whether they want to wait for an mRNA so it depends on what age group you are Michael but if you're over 35 then certainly you can go to hse.ie the portal has been open there pending on your age group uh, for quite some time and then somebody says D Healy I'm in my middle 70s. I don't, I do not, I did, I did not take the vaccine that was offered to me. When the panic dies down, I'll make up my own mind which one I will take, even if I have to uh, pay for uh, it. As for the busybodies, mind your own business. How many people have said they've taken it when they have not? I don't know. I, I, We've no way of knowing if somebody has taken it uh, when they haven't. The only thing I would say to you, absolutely, there's nobody forcing anyone to take a vaccine uh, in this uh, country, but just mind yourself, be very careful, particularly at the moment with this Delta variant. I don't know where you're living. I don't know what part of the city and uh, county you are in, but we know that the Delta variant is very soon 
going to be the most dominant. Well, it, it is. It's at seventy percent now, isn't it? But it eventually is going to be the one. No matter where you go, if there's coronavirus, we can nearly guarantee you it's going to be the Delta variant, and it is much more contagious. And absolutely, it is within your rights as an over seventy year old not to take the vaccine that was offered to you. But just be very, very mindful of how contagious the Delta variant is, and look after yourself, which obviously you've been doing to date. Continue with that. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls in particular looking for your questions for Annalise nutritional questions text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do and some events coming up uh, over this the month of July the Wallace family are holding a fundraising gardening garden event for the Irish Cancer Society. It's part of the Daffodil Day fundraiser. It's at their home five Spittle Cottages in Cloyne. It'll be on Friday the 23rd of July from 9.30am to 3.30pm. Donations uh, for raffle will be accepted the day before on the Thursday. You can contact 021 while Cork Cancer Care, they're looking for people's support for their virtual fundraiser, Walk with the Warriors. Uh, every day you're asked to walk for 30 minutes in honour of the warrior in your life and you're encouraged to dress up and make it fun for all the family. More details on how you can donate by checking out Cork Cancer Care Centre and you can do that on their social media pages. And in Ascara Community Centre, uh, needs your help to keep the centre open. You're asked to donate to cover the running costs either through their GoFundMe page, which is at Inascara.com. Dot org. You can drop your donation into the office letterbox. Our details of their bank account are available on our website www.c103.ie Court Today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Some of your comments in, we were talking about housing uh, earlier and Lisa in particular, that uh, lovely, lovely young mother down in Carsivine and she lived in the house for 12 years and she went on the auction online didn't realise the house has been sold out from under and she lost out on the bid it was just really really heartbreaking Eddie said if all those property developers started work on land they had purchased and that would solve a lot of the housing issues we have in this country there are so many sites which were purchased over the last few years that have planning permission but no work has started yet Marion from Moy says my son is in search of his own home and where he's currently living there are houses for sale selling anything from 280,000 to 400,000 huge amount of money and he can't meet those uh, prices he's currently living in the Glanmire area he's looked further afield but no luck it's very frustrating uh, when he keeps getting outbid he's a single man in his early 30s how could a single man in his early 30s afford a house of 400,000 it's crazy Lorraine in Ballinlock says I'm renting at the moment and I'm paying 1,600 euro for a three bedroomed house house is perfect and I have no problems with it but if I was to get a mortgage for a two-bed or a three-bedded house uh, on on average my mortgage would be between 800 euro and 1,200 euros a month that's less than the rent I'm paying at the moment uh, I would not be buying in this area but still from my research it shows buying is cheaper than uh, renting and Eleanor says I have properties I own properties 
Eleanor is the landlady. And if I put anybody out of the house, I cannot just simply put them out on the side of the road. I have to give them many, many months' notice. I cannot believe that they did not inform that woman, Lisa, that they were selling the house. I think, well, it wasn't, you see, it's, it's, it, 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 she initially was privately renting from a landlord who then defaulted on the mortgage and the house got repossessed by the bank. So it was the bank that actually sold it, even though she said three years ago when the repossession happened that she was interested and they never told her. She wouldn't even have known only that a friend saw her house her, her Lisa's friend saw the house up on uh, daft.ie uh, it's incredible OK then on the Bank of Ireland ad that I that I mentioned and it's an ad that seems to have sparked real real anger amongst older people and older people feel that the ad is encouraging them to downsize their homes and then give the larger homes to younger couples and young and older people are saying that they want to stay in their own houses and they won't be pushed out by anyone Nancy in Bantry says I thought it was a lovely ad I don't know why people are so picky giving out about it. I think the ad was made with love and probably when you look at what was being depicted that woman needed help. Isn't she lucky that her son brought her to live in his house and not pack her off to a nursing home. Not that there's anything wrong with nursing homes says our Nancy in uh, Bantry. Mary says I think looking at that ad that that lady's face is just full of sadness. It It would bring a tear to your eye. She knows she can't live in her home. You get to an age where there's no fight back you can't fight because you know you can't win and you know you simply can't live independently on your own because of your age Uh, and you cannot agree to anything you just have to go and live wherever you're told to live you're forced to move out Uh, an ad full of sadness from the elderly lady's point of view says uh, Mary and then there was some whatsapps in on this Jackie says I think that that ad is okay I think it shows that the son and the daughter-in-law care better than leaving or to struggle are going into a nursing home they are great but at the end of the day your own space and your own belongings are special and your own space is your own space the ad that I have to say I don't like is the ad with the children trying to make music online for their teacher you know it starts off it's all Zoom lessons and then they eventually all gather inside in the room don't they and they they play to them. The girl singing seems to me to be a bit I think it's precocious is the word it's come out as as proactive as precocious towards the teacher says Jackie. She's not really that happy with that particular uh, one. Hi says Eileen I like that ad too. I find it very moving. I tell you it brings a tear to my eye every time I see it but the best one I think is the farmer and the son advertising three. I think that ad is so moving. That's the farmer walking around the farmyard talking to the son. They're having a FaceTime call and he goes into the house and he's talking about the mother and whatever. I'd love to know who the actors are. Have a great day says Eileen. Ah I don't know off the top of my head I don't know but I, I, I saw it on I think Eugene Cosgrove from Mallow had it up on his Facebook page um, Eileen I'll check it out afterwards the man actually in that ad the older man the farmer is actually originally from Mallow don't know who the son is but the, the dad in that who's the starring role let's be honest because you don't see this, you don't see as much of the son you certainly see all of the, the dad and I love the bit when he comes back into the house and the cat get down from there and then he's making the tea and he's right and, and how are you Sham Grant and Grant yeah I, that's a lovely ad yeah I, I'll, I'll get a name for you and I, I don't know if I'll get it for you for today but I'll certainly look into, into it Eileen and I'll get it for you tomorrow but he's certainly the man I, 
is from Mallow or he was originally a native of uh, Mallow. And then Michael Indingle uh, was on to us to say, I was sick on Sunday morning and I ended up having to go to the General Hospital in Tralee. had a problem with one of my eyes. Oh, sorry to hear that, Michael. I went into the A&E department and they said, look, you're more than welcome, but there's a 10-hour wait. The reason for it, there's only one doctor on duty. Like I said, I was taken in and I was checked straight away, but then after being checked out, they were sort of, OK, you've got to sit in that seat now and we'll be back to you, but it'll be at least uh, 10 hours. Like I said, in the end, I went away and I went to my own GP today and then I was referred to the optician and hopefully you've been well uh, looked after. But Michael said, could not believe that a general hospital would only have one doctor on duty for the whole of the A&E. Um, yeah, and, and we're constantly being told don't go to the A&E unless it's an absolute emergency and good to know that your GP where you went. I suppose you got peace of mind by going in and got been taking a look at it. if it had been an emergency they would do something for you but the fact that it wasn't and the fact that your doctor and your optician can look, to, look after you I suppose shows them that it wasn't a real emergency even though at that moment in time something going wrong with your eye I can understand why you would be heading straight uh, to the accident and emergency department. Okay let's park it all there because there's a lot of questions coming in for Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist. Keep those questions coming. 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And we are heading to the Health Hub, Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic where Annalise Dressel uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And there's a number of people all with the same complaint. Uh, people t- asking about hay fever. Uh, summed up with my daughter is so bad with hay fever at the moment. What would Annalise recommend? And it is very much the time of year for it, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's the birch pollen, Patricia, is particularly bad. And actually, you can see it if I w- walk down in Ballancolic here in the regional park. It's just, I mean, it's just in carpets on the ground. There's so much of it. So even I get a bit sniffly with that. So the natural remedy normally is that with the, the um, a naturopathic approach, you start before hay fever season, hay fever season generally. And there is a great homeopathic combination remedy called pollenasan, P-O-L-L-I-N-A-S-A-N. It's by the um, Dr. Vogel brand. And that comes in tablets and um, you can also get it in drops. And that's very good to start in advance. Now, if you are in the throes of it and haven't prepared, you can still take it, but it might be a week or two before it'll kick in. So that's one option. There's another option as well called Luffa, which comes as drops and as a spray. So the spray can give very good relief. You spray it up into the nose. And the last thing then I'd recommend um, is actually, sorry, I have another one or two, if I think about it. The hay, hay band is another one that I'd recommend. So I'm getting good feedback from some people on that. It doesn't seem to work for everybody, but it's a band that you put around your arm and it works on acupressure points and minimizes your symptoms. And then the, the, the other natural antihistamine approach is something called quercetin. And actually, I've been reading a lot about quercetin recently, and it is a fantastic one to use for COVID or if you're having... Um, Reaction from the vaccine, you know, because of the spike protein, it works very well together with zinc to minimize symptoms. So quercetin, nettle and vitamin B5, all of those three are excellent natural antihistamines. So if you don't like taking antihistamines, if they make you drowsy, these will work well. But yet again, they're generally best taken in advance. 
So if you're in the throes of hay fever at the moment, don't expect to see a result for another week or two on those. Okay, and the other kind of a common question summed up by Eileen. I take vitamin D, but do I stop taking it now that the summer months are here? And particularly last week, we had some nice weather and people managed to get out and about, hopefully, and got a bit of vitamin D. Or do you continue taking it? That's a hard one to answer, Patricia, because you know what? Everybody's ability to make vitamin D from the sun is different. It is a genetic anomaly. Some people are not efficient. So Kerry, who works here, genetically, she is not good at making vitamin D for the sun. So she has to take a supplement all year round. Now, she knows that because she did a genetic test. So it's hard to know it otherwise. Um, The rule of thumb, I would say that most people get the vitamin D from the sun in, in the summertime. You do need at least 15 minutes of sun on your arms and legs without any sun cream to get your vitamin D requirement for the day. And we will store some, but I do think that those stores tend to run out by the end of September. So I always recommend that people start taking a vitamin D back again. I always think clock change to clock change. But with COVID, I was recommending people take it all year round. The only way to really know is to get the doctor to check your bloods. So if you're not sure, take your vitamin D for the summer, but don't take a high dose. I don't think anyone should be taking a high dose. A thousand um, I use is plenty, unless you know that you have a difficulty with absorbing vitamin D or if you have an autoimmune disease, you will need higher. So um, a thousand I use is plenty for every adult and your body will store some. So, you know, if you go without it for a few days at the weekends, it's just a way of making sure that you're not overdoing it. Could Annalise recommend anything, please, for nerve pain? I suffer with nerve pain and the side of my leg. Anything I could take for it, please? Always a very difficult one, Patricia, because the nerves are inflamed. Um, Some people get nerve pain after shingles. You know, shingles can inflame the ending of the nerves. And then for some people, that doesn't leave when, when they get better. You know, they still have that horrible pain in the nerves. Um. I think probably natural anti-inflammatories are one of the best approach. Um, So you're looking at maybe a high-strength turmeric extract. Now, the turmeric extract is called curcumin, and curcumin is so much stronger than taking the powder itself. So if you want um, turmeric therapeutically, you need to take it as curcumin. It's just not going to work really well as the powder. So there's a couple of very good brands. Gal Vitamins do a lovely one. Um, actually Pucca do a nice one with other natural anti-inflammatories in there as well like ginger and boswellia so that's a very good one Nutri Advance do one called Curcudine 40 that I always get very very good feedback on and that's a combination of curcumin boswellia and ginger as well so any of those would work well some studies have shown that applying the extract of chilies can help with nerve pain I'm always really worried about recommending it Patricia because I'd kind of think God what if you did irritate something there as well so if you wanted to try something like that, you could try the Pernaton Forte. It has got the capace and the chilli extract in there. Um, but what I'd suggest is you don't, you just try it on a little bit of skin and then leave it for a day or two to make sure that it doesn't make things worse. Mm. And then you can use that. So that's the Pernaton Forte. It's not the Pernaton, it's the one, the Forte one. And that has the warming effect. Okay, Anne says, uh, could you please ask Annalise, how much turmeric powder or root do you take for osteoarthritis? I'm trying to do it as naturally as possible, says Anne. Yeah, very difficult one again, Patricia, because everybody's degree of inflammation is going to be different and everybody's ability to absorb turmeric. To give you an idea, um, so for about 30 or 40 milligrams of curcuminoids, which is the active component of turmeric, and that 
that would be in a, in a turmeric extract, a curcumin supplement, you'd probably need about five to six teaspoons of the turmeric powder to get that. So I just feel that you're not really going to get it in the high enough dose in powder form because it's going to be very hard to take that much and it really would upset your stomach. The other thing with if you're taking turmeric powder is you should always mix it with black pepper because black pepper will help increase the absorption and also the activity of the anti-inflammatory compound within your body. So take them together and ginger is a lovely one to take with it as well because it always um, enhances absorption. And some preparations of powders, you will get the three of them together. So I think you probably need to start off. A teaspoon a day would be probably what I'd recommend starting on. Um, but, it, you know, going higher than that might upset your stomach. So I think in that case, go for the supplement. And there's another lovely product on the market by uh, an Irish couple, an Irish company called um, um, Botanicals. What's, this name has escaped me now. Spoon for Botanical, that's what it is. And it is fermented um, herbs. Um, that you put a teaspoon of that onto your breakfast cereal and it's got turmeric and ginger and cinnamon, all sorts of lovely natural anti-inflammatories in there and it's really palatable and really easy to manage. So I'd recommend that as well. That's called Spoonful Botanical. Marie wants to know, is there anything you could recommend for a bunion that gets painful and slightly inflamed at times but the pain seems to come and go? I'd love to say there was a solution for that, Patricia, because it would make so many people happy very little. I think with bunions, one of the big things is that you have to prevent it from kind of, you know, stopping your toe, um, the the tendon being pulled so that your toe tends to cross over. Um, So I think you need to get a physical, it's almost like a kind of a hammock that you put on the toe and that keeps it straight. So that would be one thing I'd highly recommend. Um, I don't think natural creams are really good, Patricia. I think that you probably need to have it surgically addressed if it's very bad. Uh, but definitely in terms of pain killing, the natural remedy always works to try and stop inflammation at its root. And that just doesn't work with bunions because, you know, the inflammation has already done the damage at that point. It's so from wearing th- high heels, is it? Because I remember the Spice Girls, one of the posh Spice, her feet were just ruined. Covered in bunions. Yeah, yeah. because of all the, and she was putting it down to all the high heels that she's always worn. I think definitely ill-fitting shoes, but I'd say for people also who probably have to spend an awful lot of time on their feet where you're standing. um, So definitely getting a comfortable pair of shoes are very important. And I think the worst of it, Patricia, is when it actually starts to affect the tendon and it pulls the toe over. And it's called halgus valgus, which actually sounds so awful that it really perfectly describes the pain that you feel from it. And I think the only option at that point really is surgery. But surgery works brilliantly. And is Marie, is Marie right when she says the pain comes and goes? Does it do you get flare-ups, is it? I'd say it probably could. Yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. like anything, like any kind of anti, you know, like arthritis flares, anything inflammatory flares. It probably depends as well on the shoes you're wearing, how much yeah. time you're spending on your feet or walking. That would all have an impact. Yeah, and Mary then, uh, on behalf of a family member, please, uh, advice on gout. A family member has it at the moment. He doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke. Is there anything you could rub in to ease the pain? Now, that's meant to be something that when you get a flare up is meant to be excruciatingly painful. So there is a genetic component there, Patricia. So gout occurs when the purines, um, it's a type of protein that you find in certain foods like meat, beer is very high in it, but there's a lot of other foods as well that are quite high in it and even some grains are very high. And genetically you're not efficient at breaking that down 
properly and you get levels of uric acid building in the blood. And when it reaches a certain level, that uric acid will crystallize out into the joints. It's your body's way of trying to put it somewhere where it's going to not, you know, affect your blood. And those crystals build up and um, they can, they're very painful. So your joints get very red and inflamed. And the best is, the best approach, excuse me, is prevention. And prevention is to drink cherry juice, a glass of, and it has to be the sour cherry juice once a day. And it works brilliantly because I have lots of customers who take that every day and they have, haven't had flares up, flare-ups for a long time. If you're having a flare-up, you need to drink that cherry juice at least three times a day. If you don't want to drink the cherry juice, there is a supplement by a company called Terranova and it's a powder of the tart cherry powder with some um, nettle and turmeric in it as well. So the turmeric is great because it acts as a natural anti-inflammatory. And then Dr. Clare, Dr. Delish Clare does a... Um, uh, tonic called it's called musculo joint and it is very good at sort of cleansing the blood and getting rid of the uric acid so that's another good one if you're in a flare if you're in a flare take um, five mils of the Dr. Clare musculo joint plus a glass of cherry juice three times a day and then for maintenance just do your cherry juice once a day Okay, and Linda wants to know, advice please, her 18-year-old son finished school, he's after getting a summer job, he started working last week, but he's absolutely exhausted. Uh, he's doing full eight-hour days and he's just not able for it. Uh, anything to give him a bit of a boost, like a tonic? Yes, I think the source of life gold is great, Patricia, for that, and suitable for 18-year-olds. It's completely, um, nut- like a complete nutritional boost, so... Everything that he might have depleted now while he was studying for his exams will be boosted by this. And it all comes from food-based stuff. So there's a huge amount of superfoods in there. There's mushrooms in there for energy and strengthening. But even best of all, there's ginseng. And the ginseng will give him an immediate energy kick. So if he was to take it before he goes into work, so if he's working in the morning, take it in the morning. If he's working in the evening, tell him to take it before he goes to work. And he'll get that kick from the ginseng. Yeah, and it is great. Okay, listen, have a lovely weekend. We'll talk to you again next Monday. That's Annalise Dressel from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig. She's also online at the healthhubstore.com. And actually, if you go to her website online, she puts a link up as heard on the radio uh, because we inevitably, as the afternoon goes on, we'll get calls. Well, John Paul has to feel most of those calls from people saying, what did did she mention for this? What did Annalise mention for that? So you can take a look at it. And John Paul will also put it up as an individual podcast as well uh, a little bit later on. Just a final couple of texts. Am I okay on time? I do have about a minute left on downsizing that we've spoken about. And we might know we're after getting a lot of commentary in on this. This is an issue that we might come back to tied in with the ad that I mentioned, the Bank of Ireland ad, and how it has upset some people. But others see it as an ad full of love and think it's just a gorgeous uh, ad. And how this son and the daughter-in-law want to look after the mother and she can't be looked after at home. But others are saying, no, she's an independent woman. They should be helping her to stay at home. Hi, Patricia. The problem I would have, and I won't be downsizing, is I have so much stuff. I wouldn't fill into a smaller house. Well, I think that's the idea of downsizing. You get rid of a lot of your stuff and that in itself causes complications. And Dan says, those downsizing proposals are a pure spin to deflect from the disastrous housing policies of politicians 
Downsize to where, I would ask. There are individual people who are homeless due to lack of properties. It is total bull for for hopeless politicians who, I might add, are well looked after financially. They don't give a damn, says uh, Dan, who's not having anything to do with downsizing. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.